Have you ever wondered how a company is able to offer unlimited time off or be a pet-friendly office? Curious how HR leaders manage the well-being of remote or essential workforces? If so, you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Andrea Heron, Head of People for WebMD Health Services, and I'd like to welcome you to the HR Scoop. On this podcast, I talk with other HR leaders to explore the world of unique employee benefits and about the challenges of managing unique workforces, because well-being isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the HR Scoop. I am so pleased today to have Keegan Kerr, VP of People and Culture at Vestas here with us. So welcome, Keegan. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here today. Yeah, we are happy to have you. And, you know, Vestas is a unique organization for the HR Scoop because it's our first truly international organization uh, with the main corporate HQ in Denmark, I believe. So looking forward to learning a little bit from your perspective about um, the international sphere. Yeah, for sure. Vestas, uh, you know, 30,000 employees globally, 17 billion in revenue last year. So it'll be fun to talk about, uh, you know, this size of company also on the podcast. Yeah. And I guess just to jump right in for, you know, our HR listeners, you know, from your people and culture career perspective, you know, what what are some things HR folks should know about if they were thinking about joining or even aspire to join an international organization, either, you know, personal or professional career paths, benefits, kind of what do you see? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've worked for a couple of large global companies at, at this point in my career and how best this is set up. And, and this would be the advice for, for people in the HR space. Uh, we're set up in business units. So as the head of people and culture for the US and Canada, I'm responsible for everything in those two countries. But I have peers around the globe that you know are responsible for different geographies also. With a headquarter in Denmark, a lot of the, the programs and policies that, that come out of Copenhagen are really kind of through a European lens. And so as a business unit leader, when those programs and policies come down to implement, the unique opportunity for HR leaders is to say, hey, okay, I understand this is a European context, but for the US, we have to do this, this, and this, or in Canada, we have to add these three things to e either be legally comp compliant or just, you know, the culture of the US and Canada and make sure the programs fit what we're trying to do here. So uh, make sure if you're going to get into a global company like that, that you understand that, you know, in most companies, you don't have free reign to do whatever you want, you work within a large kind of matrix organization. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard enough, honestly, to keep track of all the various state laws. So, you know, even upping a level to now you have to know not only state and local law, but country law and practices and policies, um, especially I would think with the GDPR and some of the, you know, more specific to Europe rules and regulations and even how people leave jobs or the benefits that they want or expect, I imagine would be pretty different. So it, sounds, it seems like a big learning curve, but an area that could be really fascinating if you had interest in it. For sure. And, and I would say, uh, you know, just for example, with GDPR, it's very much uh, something in Europe that our, our Danish colleagues take into effect, but in the US, it's not relevant. And so when there's a GDPR rule, that comes down, we just say, sounds great. Sorry, you have to deal with that. But in the US, we're okay. Right. So those kind of things are the interesting parts where 
if you know your country specific laws, then you're going to have an advantage, right? Because you know what works and what doesn't and what's implemented and what not to. Yeah. And I would think even just from the cultural perspective, it would be so fascinating to see what people do for various holidays or traditions or, you know, different celebrated days off. And then there's probably some good knowledge and idea sharing that maybe is unique and different that, you know, their friends at other um, companies down the road may not have because you do have that more global perspective. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, for those, for those HR leaders, those HR practitioners that are just generally curious about other cultures and, and other countries, maybe they have, you know, uh, a knack for travel uh, in their, in their off time. You kind of get the best of both worlds when you work for a global company because you're getting exposure to different countries and colleagues from around the world in every week, sometimes three times a week in, in meetings, right? You're on conference calls at 5 a.m. and then sometimes at 10 p.m. just because the time zones and, and that's how they work. So another thing I'd mention is that uh, in my view, the U.S. is very much uh, employer friendly when it comes to you know the employer-employee relationship. And in a place like Denmark, it's very much uh, employee friendly. And so you see longer leave times for um, maternity and paternity leave. It's, it's socialized medicine, right, in Denmark. So there's no benefit payments. Uh, for example, like college is paid for <laughs> because of the taxes taken out, um, you know, in Denmark through, through someone's life. And so uh, when we compare apples to apples, it is quite different. Uh, between the two countries, Denmark and the U.S., but there's there's really positive things to learn from both sides. Have you seen people getting jealous or asking for things like paid leave or you know other perks that you know various companies that they may have colleagues that now they Zoom all the time, they feel very connected to in this global way as we do all when we're on a screen, it doesn't matter how far we are, you're right there. Um, have you seen that come up as almost a, not a complaint, but you know, a, a request for more benefits that aren't as typical in the U.S., but that they see their peers getting, you know, same company, just a different location? Yeah, I mean, leave is an example that I just brought up. And so it's much, it's much more robust uh, in Denmark in Denmark uh, or in a lot of the European companies, people start with five or six weeks of vacation. And, uh, you know, for us here, we, st we start at three weeks, right? And after so many years of service, like most US companies, that ratchets up. Uh, another thing that when I first joined Vestas, I, I really couldn't get my head around, but uh, now it's just become kind of uh, an inside joke. Uh, most European countries in the summer take the, uh, the summer holiday which is essentially any time between like late July and the last week in August, where literally like no one, <laughs> everyone's on vacation. And so getting something done in a global company can be challenging when those cultural aspects come through or just the, the annual calendar with the different holidays and different leave times for people. Um, I'm used to it now. Uh, and I try to take vacation when they take vacation. But at first, I just really couldn't believe that uh, a company of our size could just have that many people off for that long. I mean, I, I'm jealous of that one, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are we all moving to Denmark? Exactly. Right? <laughs> after, after this podcast, I think so. I think so. This is what put you over the edge. Well, I mean, it is a good point because it just reiterates that you know, people and companies can be more flexible than perhaps we think we can because of a company like Vestas can take advantage of longer 
breaks, you too can take a couple of days of vacation off or maybe even a whole week. Um, so maybe we can all feel inspired by that to take our, our PTO or vacation that maybe has been stacking up this year. For sure. Absolutely. So from a benefits perspective, you know, I know we, we do have a few offices around the globe and the benefits have been different. I mean, socialized medicine for sure, but, you know, even other things of who's on the plans or what type of plans or what extra benefits or perks people expect just vary based on culture and norms and really what the employer down the street locally has to offer, right? Same here. So have you noticed, you know, how they're different or do you have any examples that might highlight, you know, really some interesting things there? Yeah, I think, uh, so let's, let's use holidays as an example, right? So we have, you know, the business has a P&L. Uh, and so we manage that P&L and we're trying to hit our budgets every year and hit our targets. And so when something like, you know, adding a holiday like Veterans Day or Martin Luther King Day comes up and Vestas in the U.S., of course, wants to recognize those holidays and add those holidays to our calendar, we have to really make a business case to get Denmark to approve the additional cost that it would be to observe those holidays because as HR leaders, we know that a lot of your hourly staff, uh, non-exempt staff would get paid time and a half for those days. And so that's a cost to the business. And uh, sometimes there's a conflict when we say we really want these extra holidays and then we do the business case and we get told no, or maybe next year because it's an, an additional four to $5 million on the P&L. Uh, so that can be a bit deflating to, you know, our leaders and our people on the ground, especially uh, who are really adamant about adding those holidays. But we have we have an advantage to do other things. So, for example, uh, our medical, dental and vision plans were a self-insured plan uh, and our premiums are quite low. Our cost share is quite low because we control that in the U.S. because we're self-insured. We have a benefits committee that manages that and we determine the premiums every year. We determine how much we're going to charge employees uh, for medical, dental, and vision every year. And that's something that is kind of nice because Denmark, for example, doesn't have the knowledge around how U.S. benefit plans work. And so when we have the chance to control something that much, that really gives us a chance to provide those benefits to employees that they're really looking for. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, you're still depending, no matter which direction it's going, you're still depending on the local expertise of the local culture and expectations and retention markers. And I think there's value in that. Even if you are a U.S.-based company, I mean, just think about your own staff. If they're across various states, what works in one office or location, probably not going to be exactly the same uh, bullseye in another location. I know between our Portland office and our Indianapolis office, there's some pretty big cultural differences because the types of workers are different, the types of jobs they're doing, the local office culture is different. Now we may have the same benefits plans, but the culture and how we show up and do work and have fun and collaborate together is different. So it's like that, but extrapolated. Yeah, Andrea, I think that's a really good point. And I'm, I'm glad you're you're seeing that also because, you know, at Vestas, we have our Portland office. It's around 300 people. But then we have manufacturing facilities that are actually building the blades and, uh, you know, shipping those out for our, our wind farms. And the employees in Colorado are very much different 
than the corporate office employees are versus even our service technicians. Uh, we have service technicians in multiple states throughout the U.S. and Canada, and they're in very remote areas of the U.S., right? Not in a major city. And so even th that, watching that take place, service technicians versus manufacturing workers versus an exempt staff in Portland, one of the challenges, and actually one of the things that makes this job so exciting is that you have to come up with benefits that satisfy all three groups, right? You have to come right. up with programming that satisfies all three groups. Sometimes you don't get it right, but most of the time at Vestas, uh, you know, we are getting that right. And that's what helps our employee engagement, our retention scores, uh, and, and really just the attraction to come and work at uh, a renewable energy company like Vestas. Right. Yeah, that's, that's good insight. And, you know, earlier, I know you spoke to the fact that it is a matrix organization for you know many of the reasons you've discussed. And also it's a very large organization globally, but still pretty significant in US and Canada. So I'm wondering if there are any, I don't know, unintended consequences or just things that come up because you are the US Canada based arm of a European company versus having it HQ in America with the arms being overseas. It's kind of a flip dynamic from, you know, how we probably center our own thinking here. So anything you can share there, you know, stakeholder management, you know, all of those mm -hmm. types of things. Yeah. One of, uh, one of the key items we have in our strategy uh, in the U S and Canada is to, you know, collaborate with the corporate office, right? I mean, uh, an ocean is very far away and, and, you know, people are quite different uh, as we just talked about. And so, the more you can collaborate with that corporate office, wherever it may be, uh, the more you can engage with people, you know, on a weekly basis, like build your network, build those stakeholders that you talk to, that you keep informed, be transparent. I mean, it definitely helps. One of the things that was challenging for me when I started this job, Andrea, was just getting up to speed with how a large company like this worked and then building the network. Now, after about four and a half years, I mean, I have colleagues that I talk to, you know, in India, in Denmark, in South Africa, uh, on a weekly basis, in Brazil, weekly basis. And I'm just like getting a vibe from what's, what's going on on the ground there. What are the struggles you're having? Uh, all the things that we're working on together. Hey, what are you doing there that I can implement in the U.S. and Canada that works? And so people that work at global companies, I'm sure would say the same thing. But for those that are new to global companies, I would definitely recommend that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, everything you're saying really goes back to very basic relationship building skills and learning people's baseline, learning what motivates them, you know, how you can work together, how you can build that relationship. And you maybe had a head start because you were already on Zoom or phone calls and the rest of us are catching up, you know, given we've all been remote and building those relationships and that fundamental trust online or on a video chat is harder than in person, but it's doable. And I feel like you might have, your company might've mastered it a little bit earlier. We're all just trying to catch up. Yeah. We're, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely not the masters of it. We still have struggles. Uh, this morning I was on a, a three hour meeting, right. With our, with our extended leadership team, the top 80 leaders in Vestas and you have some people on video. For some people, it's nighttime in Australia. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, we're still doing our best. Uh, always, always can improve every day. Well, I'm going to speak on behalf of all of us and say that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know we have, you know, as we 
have been more global. The other day I was on a video call with someone in our London office and it was the end of her day. It was the beginning of my day. And I just in the moment caught myself almost looking at it from a a removed perspective. You're on one side of the world. I'm on the other side of the world. And we are having a standard business conversation on video like we were in person. And how crazy and amazing is this? Andrea, that's so funny. I mean, I I personally just keep a map uh, right by my desk just because when someone dials in and they say, oh, I'm in you know, Brussels today. I'm like, let me just do a quick check. Holy cow, that's very far away, right? I mean, and, and it's so clear, right? I mean, with today's technology, you used to have to fly around the world to have that meeting, right? So what advancements, it's so fun uh, for sure. Yes, I, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, people want to idealize it and say, oh, well, you know, you get to all of the global stuff and maybe I get to travel and it's so glamorous. And I think the reality of it is like, maybe you're tired and maybe it is a different time zone and maybe there are cultural slip ups and differences. And, you know, there's a lot there that I think as culture and, you know, HR people, we can learn unconscious bias and being open to different perspectives, even within our own staff, even if we're not global, all of those same ideas still apply to your workforce because it's still diverse, even if you're all from the same place. Um, so I think that's a really a good tie there as well. Yeah. And I know, uh, I mean, I'm sure this has been a topic before on this podcast, but uh, what are what are your views, Andrea, on, you know, the idea of the in-person meeting has, you know, gone to the side and, you know, you can do more online and you don't have to spend nine, 10 hours on a plane for a two-day meeting. I mean, uh, what are some of your views there? Because it's a very interesting topic right now. Oh, I have thoughts, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I always do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think there's pros and cons. The mm-hmm. biggest concern I have about it is the lack of social connection and mm-hmm. feeling of loyalty and belonging to the actual value and missions in each other. Yeah, maybe we could be more efficient, but is that a better product? You know, are people feeling more loyal or do they say, well, I can sit in my computer and do this with you or I can get paid more to go do it for somebody else that I can look at my computer and do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the in-person collaboration is better for us as humans and the online collaboration is better for our work product. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like that perspective. I, I haven't heard it uh, said that way, but that's that's right, right? Um, we, we just had a, a large meeting, a large global meeting in Sweden and Denmark about three months ago. And it was great. Maybe it was because it was, you know, post-COVID. And, uh, you know, it was the first time seeing some of those colleagues in 18, 19 months. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it did remind me I was out of practice. I was out of shape when it came to global travel because I hadn't done it so long. So uh, I got to get it back in shape there for sure. Well, and just... To be completely transparent, the social awkwardness is absolutely real. I mean, I have lost the ability for small talk and what do you do with your hands? And I don't know. It feels very awkward, but we'll practice. <laughs> That's not true. I mean, I think I actually told someone the other day, like, I'm really not trying to shake hands right now. And it just felt weird, right? Because their hand was out and I didn't know what to do. And so I just said it. And then afterward, I kind of regretted it. So it's a, it's going to take a while, I think. Just let's all agree to be awkward together and <laughs> we will push through. That's right. That's right. I like that. But yeah. I mean, the the in-person meeting I do think is richer because how it's a crazy high amount of 
information is body language, like 75% or something is body language and tone. And you just can't get that over a screen, especially if people aren't using video. I mean, there is so much nuance lost that you might get the work product done, but it probably could have been more collaborative, creative, and you would have felt better and more energized by it if there was at least a visual and even better for a big collaboration or a big strategy session to be in person together versus by yourself in a room looking at the screen. Absolutely. And one of the things I personally have to work on as a leader is just that, uh, that, that attention span, right? Because after 90 minutes on a, on a video call, I mean, it gets tough, right? And I think, I think this, a lot of people can relate to this, just like staying focused, staying, paying attention to whatever the topic is uh, in person. That's not as hard. It's not <laughs> bottom line. Yeah. It's brutal to do those long meetings and we're so conditioned to, you know, the phone dings and my goodness, people, if you have not turned off your new email notification, pause the podcast, go into your settings, turn that thing off because it breaks your flow and your concentration. And it's, it's just not good. If you want to have any semblance of a focus, you've got to turn your notifications off as much as possible. For sure. And going back to that concentration point you just mentioned, one of the things that, uh, you know, being in the office reminded me of when I started going back to the office was the, the daily interruptions, right? So when you're in your office on a call or working on a project and someone kind of peeks around the corner and looks, you know, in your workspace or in your office. And I mean, that's an interruption too. And one thing that you didn't get when you were at home uh, on back-to-back Teams or Zoom calls were those interruptions. And so there's gives and takes on both sides of the house, right? Uh, for sure. Absolutely. And you can't, you can't even schedule that because it's always a pop-in. Okay. However, I have found that those little two-minute pop-ins save two or three emails or a 30-minute meeting that now shows up on your calendar where it would have just been, oh, I bumped into you in the break room. And since you're here, let me ask you this. And now I've saved an email or an official meeting on the calendar. And now it's the chat function in Teams, right? I mean, it's that chat. Right. That, that's like the new pop-in because I can be on a phone call and the chat function starts going off. And I'm just like, what? what's going on? I'm, I'm on a phone call. And then they still go. They still keep typing. Yeah. I don't understand. Instant gratification. <laughs> that's right. That's what it is. That's what it is. Oh, that's awesome. Was there anything else that you thought would be helpful for you know our listeners um, as far as your experience with the global perspective? I know you also have you know Canada, which is our northern neighbor, of course. Yeah. Um, but if there was anything else you wanted to share or or give your perspective on, yeah, I just think uh, you know I mentioned it a couple of times, but if you're curious about other cultures, you know this is it's a great way to get to know those cultures just naturally with your flow of work. And also uh, make sure you collaborate, right? With, uh, with the other business units that work at your company or with the corporate center, uh, because that's gonna really help enrich your career and, and make your job a whole lot easier, right? I mean, one of the things that uh, I, I would also say is that when you're looking to go to that global job, make sure it's something that you're actually passionate about. And that's one of the things that's great about Vestas is you know, it's renewable energy, it's wind energy. We're looking to reduce carbon emissions. We're looking to, you know, really save the world if you think about it. And so that, that's what makes work, going to work exciting every day too, is that there's a passion for what we do at Vestas. Yeah. And when you have a, a strong value proposition and you attract the candidates that truly believe in that and do feel passionate about it, 
I mean, from a culture perspective, that makes your job a lot easier for engagement. If anything, you know, you may have to temper how much they care, you know, if they're having a hard time setting boundaries of working too much because they feel Mm -hmm. that drive, Uh, but what a good problem to have. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, yeah, I just think go for it. You know, I mean, you got a long career. Most people work on average 40 years. So, uh, give it a shot. Uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with it right now. It's the best time, right? I mean, there's so many job openings, uh, available. There's so many possibilities right now. Uh, so now could be a chance to explore a new career. Yeah. And maybe you'll get to enjoy a summer holiday. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. I like that. Yeah. And you know, I think the thing that is a big takeaway for me and hopefully some of our listeners is just how much of the global perspective and being successful in that dynamic really comes back to the basics of communication, availability, relationship building, being curious, you know, trying to be strategic. I mean, all the things you're already doing, but if you have that interest or passion in exploring that in the context of other cultures, then, you know, a global route might be really fulfilling. Yeah. And also, I mean, this is, it's really a development plan, right? So when you work at a company this size that you haven't before, or a a company that's operating in this many countries, you're naturally doing your own development plan because every day you're learning, things are changing, you have to adapt, you have to be nimble, and it just makes you a better person and a better employee for whatever company you're going to go to next, right? Or if you're going to stay with your current company. So if you also look at it through that lens, it's really exciting. Absolutely. And if global is not your thing, which that's okay, we need people to, you know, be a U.S. focus as well. You can still take a lot of those tenants and apply them to your your current job as well. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that, Adrian. Great. Well, I know it always goes by so fast, but before we let you get out of here, I would like to ask you our final question, um, which is, do you have something to share that most people might not know about you? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, that I would share is uh, I'm a big fan of Major League Baseball. Uh, So much, in fact, Andrea, that I've uh, been to all the Major League Baseball parks except for two, Cleveland Indians and Kansas City Royals. I started this journey when I was 19, and I had plans in March of 2020 to go to those two stadiums and then COVID. (laughs) So it's back on the list, but I love baseball. Uh, I love watching it just uh, in person. So that's one thing that, uh, yeah, most people wouldn't know. Oh, well, that is cool. I have been to many St. Louis Cardinal games myself. Well, um, nice, nice. It was my grandpa's favorite team. So um, that's probably the only one I've been to, but oh, you're so close. You're so close. So close. So close. Cubs Cardinals. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a Cubs fan. So, I mean, this Cubs Cardinals rivalry is real, Andrew. Okay. So, well, well, to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing we discovered that at the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Keegan, for joining us today. It was such fun and I hope helpful to all of you listeners out there. So thanks again. And we'll see everybody soon. Andrea, thank you. Thank you for listening to the HR Scoop podcast. Please take a moment to rate and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, or directly at webmdhealthservices.com slash podcasts.